0: What's up everyone, welcome to the podcast, I'm your host Isaiah Copan. It's June 10, 2022 and this is Lift and Learn episode 90. In this episode I'll be talking about what to do if you feel exercises in your joints, This may or may not be a bad sign, so I'll talk about that one for a bit, and I'll suggest some options around that. And the second topic, I'll just talk about why you should do exercises in your bare feet if you can. Before that though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copan.com. And you can also check out my website, isaiacopan.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter, at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. One of the most underrated exercises that anyone, every single person can do The most underrated form of exercise that could help kickstart your whole fitness journey, so weight loss, mental health benefits, increased mood, and overall health, is walking. God, this is so underrated with the way people view fitness and health these days. We always get preached about on social media this go-hard-or-go-home attitude all the time, and I fell for that trap early too, so it's not like you're the only one but it does not need to be like that at all if your goals are to just be a little bit more healthy. Especially when you're younger and new to fitness, you'll hear this one a lot. This is why I always say to take baby steps, and walking is one of those low barriers into fitness and exercise that most people can do. You should notice more energy because you're out and moving, not like when you're exhausted after a hardcore workout. And I just mean a casual 15 to 30 minute stroll or something, not an hour power walk. That alone could change your mood for the better. That's only one of the benefits I've experienced with some of my own clients. If you're able to walk outside, that's one of the best things you could do. It's free, and you need no equipment to just walk around and do something to benefit your own health. It can be a form of meditative practice, a good way to pass the time listening to a podcast, or some music you enjoy. It's a way for you to de-stress. Uh, de- And if you're outside, you're getting under the sun, soaking in that vitamin D, which has its own health benefits. Of course, this gets your heart rate elevated a little bit because it's getting exercise too, pumping blood all over your body because you're actually demanding the body to do something. And yes, it does burn calories also, which is useful if you're looking to slim down or maintain your body weight. Now, will walking get you to your weight loss goals? I mean, it might help a little bit. But don't just think that more and more walking is going to get you to your goals, because it probably won't. Your body adapts to those calories you're burning when doing a cardio, uh, cardiovascular activity like this. And if you have to walk two hours a day, every single day, in order to maintain what your ideal, health, uh, ideal or your healthy body weight is like, let's be honest, that's not going to be sustainable. You're not going to want to walk, or you might not even have time to walk two hours every single day, and eventually you'll stop. But yes, it is an underrated activity when it comes to bettering your health in so many ways, and it can, ins- it can assist you to get to whatever you think is a healthy body weight for yourself, but it still has to be done alongside muscle or strength training. Walking is one of the easiest ways to get into changing your health for the better though, so I do recommend it to everyone. I went on, I think, only one or two walks this week because I've been a bit busier than usual lately. I went on a light jog or sprint, though, in my bare feet on this football field across the street. But I think I'll talk more about that later, actually, so I'll save that one. Personally, it's one of the reasons why I love the warm weather. I love being outside, walking, or even just reading or writing some of these podcast notes. It's just such a better feeling than being indoors. You know under on this under this uh what is it artificial light all day i was even cleaning my backyard a bit this week just so i could do some work online with some clients that definitely reminded me of the summer of the past two years i spent so much time in my backyard just doing stretches or mobility drills or my workouts out there i might have to toss in a few of those sessions when i get the chance In terms of diet, I've been running low carb this week, not entirely keto, but I had foods like bacon for the first time in months. I forgot how good bacon was, oh man. I had flax seeds for the first time, mixed that with some fruits and Greek yogurt, simple meal, you know. I was really looking for foods to increase my fiber intake because I was tracking it and I was getting like 15 grams daily at best. I was really looking for chia seeds actually at the grocery store, but then I found flax seeds instead. Plus they were super cheap actually. I also got some sunflower seeds, got them salted this time, tastes so much better. I was gonna get some almonds and walnuts for more fat and fiber intake but I don't think I'll enjoy the taste of those. Same goes with lentils or kidney beans, I just don't know how to prepare those right now. I'm also one of the weird ones who just hates peanut butter. Almonds just don't taste good to me and walnuts can be good if they're prepared properly, I think. I don't think I'm ready to venture too far off of foods that are actually familiar to me. So yeah, I think those are all the new foods I introduced back into my life this week. Brought in the flax seeds and bacon. Oh my God. Yeah. Bacon is so good. I look forward to that meal every morning. I haven't had rice for a few days, which is like killing my mom. Cause she's like, why aren't you having rice? I've been eating rice for the past 30 years of my life. So it's definitely a little bit weird to not just reach into the rice cooker and grab some with every meal. I've been having quinoa for one of my meals instead, tiny bit more protein in that one, plus the fiber helps there also. I have most of my carbs around my workout time so that I'm able to have energy when I need it. And no, I'm not saying rice is bad, but like I said, I've been cutting down the carbs right now just for this week, a few more days to go. The rest of the month, I'll be back to normal eating because I got a mini vacation this week, so I know there's going to be no point to trying to diet for this week because it's not going to happen. I even find cutting out rice, I still manage to eat around 100 grams of carbs. And I don't think I want to go any lower than that. Because I usually eat around 300 grams of carbs. But I really don't know how I could lower my intake at this point. I think one day I had 160 grams of protein using no supplements or milk, just from foods. And then I also had 110 grams of fat or something and 108 grams of carbs. That's a wild mix for me. I'm someone who's gotten the majority of their calories from carbs basically my whole life meanwhile my fat intake is usually pretty low for a while there i was eating like 50 percent of my calories from carbs because i just gravitate towards eating those usually rice pasta fruit especially bananas that adds up of course desserts like ice cream crispy cream donuts love those cinnamon rolls oh, love those even more but i've stayed away from those right now while i can control my own diet Regardless though, I'm down around 8 pounds right now from a bit more than 2 weeks ago, which is kind of quick for weight loss, but I think the progress has slowed down lately. I don't want to say specifically what I'm doing or how much calories I cut out, because I don't want people listening to this to just do the same thing I'm doing and expecting the same results. But I am in a calorie deficit right now, nothing crazy or magic. Haven't felt any signs that I'm doing anything extreme, so it's been going well. I think just the shift in macros alone for me helped reduce some bloating, I feel like. And now that I cut dairy out, that might have also helped. I just wanted to slim down this past uh, two to three weeks, so I did a decent job actually. But now I'm getting back to, or I'm getting ready for Monday where I can just start getting back to my regular eating habits. The carbs should help me fill back up again, because I feel like I'm looking flat. At least, I don't know, that's that's probably just me, probably just the body dysmorphia. Workout strength is still going up though, which is great because I'm going to have a few days off in a row this upcoming week. So I'm just going to push hard right now. Maybe I can get in some light resistance bands or dumbbell work while I'm away. But I think I'll have about six days off from the gym, which should do my body good, honestly. I'm back to repping out 275 on bench. That's a great sign. I hope to keep all of this strength with my upcoming six days off, and I feel like I should be fine. It's not the end of the world being away from the gym. I'll probably be playing around with that weight for a bit. Going to keep the weight at 275 until I can get, I don't know, maybe eight reps. I think that would be pretty solid. I think I did a session of four reps, so I'll probably be sitting around that, that uh, weight for this month of June, probably. This week, I think I really am starting to like conventional deadlifts, though. I think I've been really in control of what my body is doing now that I've been practicing it for like two years it still doesn't feel like I could set up with my eyes closed and be confident on that one like I am with bench, but I'm starting to turn a bit of a corner there with that lift. It's starting to feel good. Did some deads in my socks this week, actually. I really want to bring up my back over the next few years. That's probably one of the biggest weak points right now, and I really do feel like conventional deadlifts, I do feel that in my lats, so that's great. I'm not even going super heavy on those right now, but I got a juicy pump from doing those this past week. Man, I remember that one. I had to give myself a midweek rest day because I was just, I was still a little sore, so I had to do a day of mobility and stretching there in the middle of the week. Let's see what happens though when the weight actually gets heavy. Maybe I'll backtrack on my words when I can't get to 405 or something. Hopefully I could pull that this year with no straps or belt. That'd be pretty cool. And you know what else would be pretty cool? Apple announced some new MacBooks, man, and I'm so tempted. The new MacBook Air with the M2 processor, it's literally what I've been waiting for, but I don't think I have it in me to spend another 1100 or whatever it is since my my 9-year-old MacBook Air is still running just fine. My charger looks like it's on its last legs though, It started to splay a bit right where the outlet is, but still works for now. But man, this new one they announced will be available next month, July. Looks super nice. Thin bezels, stupid notch at the top, long battery life, which is key, has Touch ID to unlock. MagSafe is back, so it's literally a perfect upgrade for me. And that midnight blue looks pretty sweet. I'm still upset that they don't do black colors, but that's something I'll be keeping my eye on. But like I said, my air has lasted me so long and doesn't look like it's going to give up anytime soon. Too much durability with these laptops, man. Speaking about durability, you got to have a little bit of that to make it to the NBA Finals. Side note, my segues have been amazing today. The NBA Finals are just going back and forth. Me, being an old man though, I can't stay up to watch those games. They're starting at like 9pm now, which is when I try to be in bed, so I'm lucky to even make it to halftime. I usually just watch the highlights in the morning when I'm having breakfast, but as of the recording, Boston is up 2 games to 1 over Golden State. I think they actually do have a chance to win this, which is surprising. As long as they keep targeting Steph when they're on offense, Boston has a bit of a size advantage from what I've seen. But Golden State's shooting could just be unreal sometimes, that's why they're never out of any games. Even when they're down by 20, they could easily cut that lead down in a few minutes. And then hockey. Looks like Colorado is going to the finals. Wow. They swept the Oilers, but that series was still great to watch. Edmonton just needs some better defensemen, and their goalie situation is just terrible. <laughs> just terrible. I was hoping that would go to seven games, because there was so much scoring in that series. It was all offense. The Eastern Finals are close, though. Tampa Bay ended up taking the lead in the series last night, actually, with a late goal. It looked like overtime was on the way, but now it's 3-2 to two between the Rangers and the reigning back-to-back champs, the Lightning. Tampa Bay is one game away from being back in the cup final. Question one, what to do if you feel exercises in the joints? This is something that could take a while to figure out because it could be a few different things that could trigger something like this to happen. If you get to this point, you should first reevaluate your training. Now this also does depend on how severe this kind of joint pain we're talking about is here. After a workout, you should feel some soreness in the muscle that's okay, that's just DOMS, but feeling it in the joints is something different. At least post-workout, so after the workout, you should only feel soreness in your muscles. If you're new to exercise, that might be quite a shock the first time you feel that. If you feel some pain in the joints while doing exercises, then something may be going wrong. Now without seeing exactly what's going on, there could be a few things happening here. It could be poor form or execution of the exercise, or it could be overtraining symptoms. So first off, check to make sure if you're doing the exercise properly, you could ask a trainer at the gym to assess your form or record for yourself and see if you can spot anything going on throughout the full range of motion of the lift. If so, correct that before anything else. That likely means you'll have to go lighter on the exercise, maybe just something like bodyweight squats instead of 225 on there correct whatever you notice that looks a little bit off with your form first. I was having some knee issues when I would do squats, my left one specifically, which could have stemmed from previous left ankle injuries. I had pain when I would go or I would get to below parallel because I personally felt like my form was good, but only until after I recorded, I saw that there were some issues that needed to be fixed because having something wrong with your form plus lifting heavy just spells disaster. So I fixed my squat form, made sure that was solid first, before adding the weight back onto the bar. Pain in the joints could also signalling, or sorry, could be a sign of overtraining. It could be your body's way of signalling to you that you're doing a bit too much. If you're influenced by P90X or most fitness people on Instagram, you may be doing workouts that are just too advanced, or just plain old bad programming. And that means you could be hitting a certain muscle too many times per week, or maybe just doing too much in a single workout, especially if you're trying to do as many reps as you can in a minute or a workout like that, maybe something you'd find in a class setting. Pain in the joints could also mean you're going too heavy on your exercises. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on here before that I used to bench pretty heavy a few years ago, and I did that constantly. When my bench press gets heavy or has gone heavy in the past, I think I was pushing it too hard or going up in weight too quickly. So I was getting this frequent pain in my elbow and that pain lasted maybe a month or maybe a bit longer. I don't remember exactly. That was probably like six or seven years ago at this point, but I remember I'd be doing warm-ups to try to get rid of the pain. I had to go much lighter on pressing movements, all of my pressing movements, not just barbell bench press. So that stalled the progress for a bit, and I didn't really realize what was going on exactly. I did try to take it easy, and that probably helped the most. After a while, yeah, I was benching the most I've ever benched, but I would have to take days off in between because my elbows would actually start hurting. They'd get real sore. And me back then, I figured the solution was to take glucosamine to help with that, since I heard somewhere that it would be beneficial for joint health. It may have helped a tiny bit, maybe just psychologically. I think there's conflicting evidence with that, but the thing that helped the most was rest and recovery, so ice helped at times as well, but also general movement and strengthening of the area was probably the best thing I did. It's not exactly a good idea to be just going hard, doing doubles and triples during your workouts all the time, seven days a week, so I learned that lesson. You don't want to get to this extreme of a point, or even worse, have to rehab through a more serious injury. Of course, if your uh, joint pain persists for a long time and is really painful to the point where it affects your day-to-day life, then I do suggest for you to get it checked out. It could be arthritis or tendonitis, so you'll have to wait for that issue to subside or go away before engaging in exercise. In some cases... At least you can refrain from using whatever joints are affected. If your knee hurts and there's a problem there, but you're still able to walk, you can still work out if you really want to using machines or anything that doesn't aggravate the injured area. Doing movement seated is also a pretty smart strategy in this case. This is why I talk about form being the most important thing when it comes to exercise. And the eccentric part of the movement is actually super important when it comes to uh, building muscle. The eccentric is the negative part of the exercise. So during a bicep curl, it's the act of lowering the weight, going up the hard part, that's called the concentric part of the exercise when you're contracting the muscles, but the eccentric part is also very important and this could help make a lighter load feel heavier for you. If you do a slow and controlled negative rep with every single rep that you do, you may notice that you're able to do 60 pound barbell curls where you just lift the weight and then you let gravity do its job on the way down. But if you're having a problem feeling an exercise in your joints, maybe bicep curl, you might feel it in your elbow or the opposite side of the elbow, that crease there. Slowing down the movement could actually help make the exercise hard and you won't be putting as much stress on that joint. So now you'll probably have to do 40 pounds or something. This applies to all exercises also, not just this one. If you do have pain when you're exercising, maybe give yourself another few days to rest and recover. If you're new, this kind of pain may last for a few weeks as your body learns and adapts to your training. That also may mean lowering your overall workout volume, so maybe sets or reps. Another problem when it comes to joint issues, it could be that you're slightly overweight. I don't think I've mentioned that yet, but your weight could be a problem because that's a lot of stress on your back or on your knees. That being said, if you're overweight, you should not be doing jumping exercises. Common sense like that has to come into play with your own programming. Over time, though, as you get stronger and lean down, that's when you can start to progress to doing jumping squats or something if that's truly necessary for you to be able to do. Something high impact like that, being overweight and jumping, that could literally just be too much stress on your joints to be jumping up and down if you're a heavy individual. But for some reason, I see so many trainers on Instagram just glorifying their client for giving their all and being proud that they can't walk after a workout. Again, the risk versus reward there just isn't worth it. There are a few ways to prevent this from happening in some cases because nobody wants to deal with achy or painful joints. Make sure that you're warming up properly. Dynamic movements help when you're warming up. Save the static stretches for after the workout. Before the workout the static stretches may negatively impact performance, but that kind of research seems to be up in the air, but I feel like they do help less and could be potentially causing issues. During the warm up you could even work on the foam roller, massaging the areas around the common pain areas could help. If you do get joint pain performing exercise though, maybe give yourself an extra days of rest or just switch up whatever exercise you're doing for that area that could help. It doesn't make the pain go away, you still need to address it outside of the gym, but there are so many exercises to target anywhere on your body, so if one movement hurts your joints and others don't, then do the ones that doesn't hurt. For me, skull crushers, if I don't use the easy curl bar, my elbows will hurt if I use the straight bar, so if the weight I need to use isn't available, I'll go find another tricep exercise I can do, maybe dips or close grip bench, something like that. At the end of the day, form is important, so make sure you're just not pushing weights that are too heavy for you. Be safe in there. I don't want anyone to get injured or further injure themselves. Question 2. Why you should exercise in your bare feet. Here's something I don't think I've ever addressed on the podcast in any sort of way, or on my Instagram either. I just thought it would be a fun little topic to talk about for a bit. I hope to one day train in my bare feet whenever I want. I know it sounds weird. I'll do that if I ever have a home gym. I think that would be awesome for everything except sumo deadlifts. I'm always scared or I have this fear about dropping the weight on my toes. Anyway, so if you can actually train barefoot, I think it's a great idea. Honestly, this can actually be super important. In terms of improving your overall balance, which would translate to more mobility with your body and body control as opposed to relying on shoe cushions and the way they alter your movement patterns, this is how we evolved in our bare feet. If you watch how a baby moves, they learn to stabilize and stand upright with their own two feet. They're able to squat perfect form too. They don't know the, they don't know yet the incorrect way to perform movements. So, they grow and develop, not with any help from shoes. We learn right away how to use our feet properly, along with using the toes to spread out to really have a solid base of support. That being said, you should be able to do your exercises in bare feet, but these days it's actually kind of a skill to be able to do something like a squat in your bare feet. The way the bones and muscles in your lower body, especially your feet, they improve and strengthen in a way that'll support your physical structure. This should lead to something like better balance and movement throughout the day. You're also a bit more forced into a natural position. It's a good idea to practice and get into this kind of training slowly. I almost went a little too hard myself one day at, a tra- uh, at the track. I decided to go bare feet and it becomes a whole different running pattern there. It's a whole different skill compared to using shoes. The shoes are designed in a certain way with a comfy or ergonomic sole. And we've learned to run with them on, so usually you strike with your heel first when you're running with shoes on. But when you're in your bare feet running, you're actually supposed to make contact with the toes first, and then your heel follows afterwards. The shoes literally change your movement patterns in a negative way. Even when you're just standing normally in your bare feet, your Achilles is actually in a more straight up and strong position. So I almost went a bit too far with my own barefoot running training. I was running outside on the football field in my bare feet. As I started to push myself a little bit faster and faster, I started to feel this slight pain in my shin. Feeling that a bit, I knew my form was probably a bit off, so I backed off a bit with my intensity because I know that transitioning to training this way is gonna actually take a lot of practice You can't just expect to unlearn years of running with shoes on in just a few sessions. It's going to take work to reverse that kind of damage. Ease into this new way of training if you're going to try it for yourself. Younger me would have pushed harder, but I felt a little pain, so I backed off, slowed down a little bit. You have to be smart with your training and think long-term gains, not just always push it as hard as I can on this very set. There's a time and place for that. So that's the same idea when you're planning on exercising in your bare feet. Lighten the weight a lot when you're transitioning to this or even if you're just trying it out. Don't try to squat the same weight as you do with shoes on because that could be risking injury, especially if you never squatted without shoes before. It's a whole different ball game there. It's going to really challenge your lower body mobility, especially your ankle mobility, because that's where people tend to be lacking when they lack the squat depth. It's going to be even harder to do with that m- A lot of movements actually without shoes on, trust me. That's why I spent a lot of my time during the pandemic working on my barefoot squat in the backyard on cement or grass or just casually in the house. It's helped tremendously with my own squatting, even translating to my squat being slightly better with shoes on, but you won't get that same effect vice versa. I've noticed now it doesn't take me long at all to feel comfortable with going down into a deep squat position now because I worked on that during, I guess what you could call the off season. I plan to be able to train in my own home gym one day in my bare feet. I mean, at least I'll have the option. I hope I have the option instead of going to some commercial gym and taking off my socks. Yeah, I think I would get some mean looks for sure if I did that. I couldn't imagine if somebody else did that in the gym, I'd probably just be so grossed out it would be super weird to see in person also for some more good information about this topic i know squat university on his instagram or his youtube channel he's been really talking about doing exercises in bare feet he's been talking about it for a while now especially more so in the past few months i've noticed he's a really big advocate of it because of the way our shoes scrunch up our toes during any kind of movements that we do He has some exercises that can help you make the transition to doing exercises in your bare feet. And he does suggest some tools as well. But the best way to work on this is to just do it and approach this kind of training slowly. And that concludes episode 90 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Kopan on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, isaiacopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.